Yes, Jesus. I am armed with a clicker. We'll see if that was a good idea. <laughs> that gave me full authority over slides. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, man, it's good to be back. It feels like home every time I come here. Um, I am forever indebted to uh, yeah, Pastor Eric and Karen and just, uh, I mean, the whole team, all of you guys and Michelle and Tom and Shelly and Chris, everybody, if I didn't name you, I, I, I am forever grateful for the culture that you've created here, um, for the way that you have served me. And uh, I just came over for Inner Healing a couple weeks ago myself. Um, it had been, I went through RTF last year, and uh, if, if you ever thought Inner Healing was a one and done, you, and you've done it, you found out that you were wrong. I found out I'm wrong all the time. I got married. And then for 15 years, I found out that I've been wrong a lot more than I ever thought I could be. And uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> if one of us is right, then I have someone to lead me, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm forever grateful for the culture that you've created of vulnerability and transparency. And I can come over here and, uh, and just and be in a safe place where people are going to love me and serve me. Um, because sometimes the mistake of leaders is that you think that you pour out everything, and, and then uh, you can become afraid to share when you're hurt or wounded or walking with a limp, you know, um, with other people. And you, you've got to have that. You've got to have a community of people, people that can serve you in that way. And, um, you know, I, I bring that up because, you know, some of those, some of the songs that we sing, you know, are, are hard to sing for some of us. Because others of us, when we're singing about freedom, are, are, are just super excited because we've been set free. And then other people feel like they can't sing that because you're not free yet. Right? But what I encourage you to do is, is keep singing those songs. Because you're not just singing songs, you're, you're making declarations and prophesying over your life. Of what God already wants to do. Like He wants you to be free way more than you could ever want to be free. And so even when I, in dysfunction and, and uh, in bondage and all those things that I've walked through in my Christian life, I've found out that in worship, when I declare those things, when I know the power that's in that, there's freedom. Because it, it, it says that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Amen. Well, knowing truth, truth's a person. Amen. Jesus is truth, yeah. right? And so... <laughs> It, it's, not, it's not just words on a paper, but it's actually encountering the, encountering the person of truth. And when that takes place, and I couple it with the declaration of truth from the Word, or the guy that, who is the Word, right, from Jesus in, in the, in the Spirit-inspired Scripture, that's what brings me freedom. When I know truth, yeah. intimately knowing Jesus, and then speaking that truth over myself, brings, it brings freedom. And whom the sun sets free is, is really free. It's free, it's free indeed, right? But I think that, that shame comes in when, when we become Christians and then we end up in bondage again after we've already been believers. And we've been free. And then there's these lies that creep in. This is nowhere where I plan to go, but we're just gonna, this is the introduction. Then lies creep in. And what happens is, is that shame masquerades, right, as, as there's, there's lies that masquerade as truth, and shame rides in on there, and it says, well, you, you got free once, you don't deserve freedom. And there's scripture, like you can find scripture in Hebrews 10, 
that it, that if you don't read it in context, you'd find you'd find that you don't you don't deserve the blood of, or that you're you're not worthy of being free again once you've been free, and that's not true. But the enemy is a master manipulator at at, at twisting scripture, because a little a little bit of a lie and a whole lot of truth is still a lie. And so when I don't understand that, when I like. Guys, we, like, we all walk through stuff. We all get hurt again. We all end up with broken hearts again. We all end up with disappointment again. We all end up with hopelessness. And sometimes you end up back in, a bond, back in bondage momentarily. Or sometimes for a long time. Like, I'm not telling you that's what God wants or that's God's plan for you. But I want to just, I feel like Jesus just right now just wants to take shame off the table. Because shame tells you you are something wrong, not you did something wrong. You made a poor choice, right? That's it's just what it is. You made a poor choice. And maybe you made a bunch of poor choices, but they still don't define who you are. Right? That's the good news. You want good news? That's good news. That's the gospel. That's good news. So, yes, Jesus. Where's uh, Elizabeth that was singing up here? You call her Lizzie? If you raise your hand, I probably can't. See. Okay, I can see you now. Can, can you stand for a second? Can I? Can I? I got a. I've got a word for you, or at least that's what I think it is. So I'll let you'll let you. Ju- I'll let you judge. Um, but I, when I was back in the sound booth, I was, Chris was talking to me. It was so hard to pay attention um, because when you were warming up, I, your voice uh, literally shatters darkness. And um, and everywhere you go, not just your. I felt like I was supposed to emphasize to you, not just your singing voice. But just when you open your mouth and let sound out, period, the unique sound, your voice print that only you have, it shatters darkness, not just in worship setting, but everywhere. I don't care if you're talking to the barista or ordering a sandwich or talking to a friend or asking for directions somewhere. Like, it doesn't matter. Any conversation, the sound that you release shatters darkness. And at the same time, it releases the Father's heart. And I could see, like... uh, (laughs) Because you've allowed the Lord to heal you and make you whole, there's wholeness that comes from you. And I felt like that, uh, I don't know if it's just a reminder or this is new information, but I felt like that you needed to know today uh, or be reminded today that you, the promise that you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover uh, is going to become more of a reality than you've ever seen it before. I don't mean just sick in body, I'm talking about sick in soul and sick in spirit too, like well, no matter what part of the, of the person is sick, that your voice is going to release wholeness for them to bring them not only out of captivity, out of the darkness that gets shattered, but actually brings them into a place of wholeness and identity. And I felt like this fresh baptism of the Father's love is just leaking into your heart even now. Uh, and I, I, could see like, I could see a picture of you uh, standing straight and tall with your shoulders back and your spine real straight. And I felt like it represented this confidence, this humble confidence that you carry and this security that you have on the inside of you that Jesus has placed there that replaced insecurity. It was replaced with security, and now you've become an example of what it looks like, specifically to the demographic age group that you're in, because they desperately need to know that they can have what they need through Jesus, but your life is shining so bright, not just to them, but to everybody, 
And so, Father, we thank you for Elizabeth. We bless what you've placed on her life. We thank you for the sound that she's releasing and the things that you're, you're having. Yeah, we thank you for just the grace to bring healing and wholeness everywhere she goes in Jesus' name. Amen. In, in, in the hat, have we met? No? Okay, I don't, I don't know who you are. I, don't, I didn't know you was going to be here. And deductive reasoning would probably tell me yeah. that's your mama. <laughs> but I, when in worship, I pro, you know, like this wasn't premeditated. Uh, in, in worship, I felt like I heard this phrase over you. And I, I don't know if it'll make sense to you or not. Um, but but I, I felt like, um, where was it? It'll come back to me. Uh, it's, it's almost over. And I saw this light at the end of this tunnel. Uh, and once where there looked like there was a train coming your way on the track uh, was, a, was, actually, was actually replaced by, by the loving arms of the Father. And I could see that as you went in, into this light that was coming at you, and I don't mean like this tunnel didn't look like a long way off, like the light didn't look a long way off in the tunnel. It was really close, like you were to the edge of coming out of the tunnel, and the light was coming to meet you, and He is the light. And I saw as the arms of the Father wrapped around you, I saw this crazy freedom just instantly come to you, like stuff that people work through for years to get uh, through inner healing and all that stuff. And, and I'm not negating any of that, but Jesus is God, and he can do it in a moment. And I saw him doing it in a moment. I saw these things that have been deposited in you over the years, like for several years, even since you were, since you were a little boy. And um, I saw them coming to life. I saw like these seeds that have been sown in your life getting activated and, and coming and growing up. And I saw like this rapid, rapid, rapid growth. Um, it, it, you could, it's going to be so quick in growing up into maturity that it, you couldn't point anywhere else but God for the miracle. And um, in, in this, like I, I, I feel like this has been told to you several times, but I, you're, you're like you're a leader. Like people look to you. You have influence on your life. Like I, I can see it in, in the spirit, but you, you are an influencer and not the you know, social media way. Uh, not saying that's bad, but uh, it, it, you're an influencer in the kingdom and for the kingdom. But you're somebody that people have been looking to for a long time for leadership, whether it was, whether it was good or bad. Like people were looking to you and willing to follow you, follow you. And I felt like that Jesus wanted to remind you of that today to let you know that even though he, you may have used it in the wrong way at times, um, that, it, that it doesn't negate the fact that it is something he placed on your life. Um, and not just for, I know this is the, yeah, I'll just say it. So not just for this nation, but I feel like you're going to influence nations, plural. I don't, know, I don't know what that looks like, and that may not be a surprise to you. Um, but I, I felt like that not just your story, but even these nuggets of truth and revelation, the way you can articulate them, you're the only one that can do it that way. <laughs> Being uniquely you and people need the revelation Jesus has given you to come through you in the way that you understand it because you have a perspective on it that others need to hear. And so tell, tell me your name now. Isaac. Isaac. So yeah, I didn't want to know that before. 
just because. <laughs> and so, Father, I thank you for Isaac. We thank you for a young man who is a leader, who has grace on his life to do the things that you called him to. Thank you that that light is getting uh, really, really, really close. And I thank you uh, for this, this heart-to-heart moment between you and him. I just scoop him up in your arms. I thank you. In some cultures, fathers hug sons heart-to-heart, and there's an impartation that takes place. And so I thank you for an impartation, Father, of your heart to his and everything that you are, <laughs> intermingling in everything that he is and all that you've designed him to be as, as a son. In Jesus' name, amen. Just <laughs> I'm going to have fun, but I don't know if you... <laughs> I hope that you do too. (laughs) Um, Does anybody have, uh, we're just going to go for this. So does anybody have like, I'm going to describe it this way and then I'll I'll give the medical term that it could be. Um, But you have pain, like ache, aching through your legs that wakes you up in the night in both your legs. It might be restless leg syndrome. Is that, there's two of you? Three of you, four of you, four of you. Do you is it restless leg? Raise your hand if it, is, if it is. You know it is. You don't know it is. Well, go ahead and, and stand up if that's, if that's you. I had this pain. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning with it in my legs. And, uh, you know, last two days in a row. And um, didn't realize till I almost got here that it could be a word of knowledge. <laughs> I heard I'm a little slow, but I'm worth waiting for. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who tells me that, but <laughs> so yeah, just if you would, family, pray, pray with me for all of these, one, two, three, four, five of you, awesome, okay, sorry, this just helps me to see you with the, with the light, and so Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to come with everything that Jesus paid for for this moment, for each one of these individuals. And we thank you for breathing healing into every part of the nerves and nerve endings, muscles. We command all restless leg syndrome to be completely healed in the name of Jesus. And everything that's causing aches and pains that's not restless leg, we command every bit of it to be healed right now in Jesus' name. We, just as a family of God, partner with heaven and release the kingdom upon each one of our brothers and sisters' bodies right now. We thank you for healing, restoration, and restoring sleep, sound sleep throughout the whole night in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Would any of you be able to tell right now, or is this something you're going to have to wait till you're, is it only heard at night? At night? Okay. Yeah, that would probably define, yeah. Restless leg. Okay, well, yeah, get back to me. Tell one of your leaders, if you would, please, when you enjoy sleep tonight without pain. All right. Thanks, Jesus. That one felt like a risk because it sure I was like, that feels like it could be me. <laughs> We're just going to go for it, though. You know, when, uh, when I started having uh, knee pains, I don't know, I've had all kinds of pain since I got north of 40. And um, I'm sure none of you experienced that. So I just started praying for people that had whatever I had going on. 
I thought somebody's going to get healed, and eventually I will. But until then, we're going to get some other folks healed. And um, because pain, because pain w- makes you want to turn inward, right? That that's uh, if the devil could do anything through our pain, physical pain, um, or any other kind of pain, is what he tries to do is make us turn inward towards us, right? And then we no longer become selfless; we become selfish and self-absorbed. Right, and I know I know the temptation of that because if you're sick and and you're seeing other folks healed, you're like, why not me? Is the is the question? And um, I've been reminded constantly that Jesus owes me absolutely nothing because <laughs> I've I've thrown some fits because I hadn't been healed. <laughs> Y'all may, you, say, you guys have heard me preach more than once or a couple of times. You may not think that's possible. I'm telling you that it's very possible. <laughs> not only is it possible, it happens. And uh, I was reminded in the midst of my uh, crying and complaining is, uh, is that he didn't owe me. He didn't owe me anything. I still contend for it. But when I, when I take that off the table, that I deserve this or, or you owe it to me, it removes any possibility of entitlement. I've seen lots of Christians get shipwrecked over entitlement or make threats of, Jesus, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to serve you. (laughs) When you get outside yourself after you say that and realize how ridiculous it is, (laughs) it'll give you proper perspective. But I know the feeling and temptation of that, right? <laughs> Especially if you've been serving him for a long time and you've been doing ministry and all that stuff. And you're like, Jesus, but I'm doing all this for you. And you could at least do this for... <laughs> Let me stop you right there. Let's go back to the cross and remember what he already did. All right? It's, it's what I, that's what I have to do. I'm just, I'm just being vulnerable in this, <laughs> this atmosphere you've created to allow me to, to do that. And so I'm going to share with you today some testimonies from Pakistan. Um, we've been going there since the beginning of, of 2021 and through COVID. Uh, who's heard me share testimonies of, of Pakistan already? Okay, a lot of you. So I just went back in, uh, in February, February into March, and um, Matt General and I, and so I've got some testimonies that some of y'all haven't heard before, and uh, we're, we are continually... Uh, somebody asked me, are you doing missions in Pakistan? I'm like, I guess you could call it that, but it's really, it, you know, we're... We're building relationship and, and building with them and adding value to what God is, is doing there and at the same time learning from them and they're adding value to our lives. And so it's, it's just this beautiful uh, picture of, of kingdom relationship and uh, getting this privilege and opportunity to uh, be in one of the darkest places, one of the most Muslim nations in the, wor- Muslim nations in the world and uh, about 97% uh, Muslim and... Um, and so there's, there's Hindus and, and, and Sikhs or two, so it, and the other 3% is, is not Christian, probably about 1.5%, maybe eh, somewhere around there. And so getting to go in there with the gospel is just it's a huge privilege. And um, it's something that was prophesied over my life years and years and years ago about going to the nations. Actually, in 2009, it was prophesied over my life going to the nations. And um, I actually got to go back into the place where that was prophesied uh, to me two Fridays ago, um, June 9th. I went back into um, 
they call it Heritage Trails now. It used to be Plainfield Reentry Facility. It was the first place they ever preached in a pulpit. It's prison if you didn't catch that. And um, so uh, I got to go back there first time ever going back there. And um, so you're talking about 14 years since I, since I was in that place. And um, I remember it was just so much, this flood of the goodness of God. And now, you know, we're 14 years later and seeing these promises come to pass. And that day I got to preach and share my testimony with, with a, a little bit over 100 guys and watch 100, close to 100 guys, give their lives to Jesus that day. It was amazing. I had a guy come up to me afterwards and say, man, I, I've been in prison for years, never, never came to church. Came to church because the way they advertised me coming was former drug addict. And um, I guess, it, you know, God was drawing him and he gave his life to Jesus that day. Been in prison for years, never been to church. And so, my gosh, it's just, it's beautiful. So getting to share these with you is a, is a huge honor. I want you to know before I share any of them is that our brothers and sisters in Christ over there always need your prayers. Not just in Pakistan, but around the world. Like they're going through it. Persecution's at an all-time high. It's even being publicized, uh, the persecution. A lot of times you just don't hear about it. It's always been happening. Christians are dying daily overseas for the gospel. Um, but now it's gotten a little bit worse. India is way worse than it was, and Pakistan is as well. Um, but in the midst of that, you know that if you, you've watched it, persecution of the book of Acts always caused the church to grow. And it still does the same thing. When Christians get martyred, it causes church growth. You'd think it would cause the opposite, at least that's what the devil hopes, but you know, he doesn't do anything but lose, so I don't pay much attention to him. <laughs> He's, he can't do anything but lose. <laughs> we were at the Pride Festival not long ago, and I went over and saw my friends at the Satanic Church booth, and um, just loving on them and reminding this one young lady of how she got healed, and, um, <laughs> and you know, everything in me is like, why would you, you want to work for the losing team? It's because you don't know that they're the losing team, right? Because nobody willingly is like, <laughs> you're going to play a pickup game for all you sports enthusiasts. You're like, yeah, sure. I know I'm going to get blown out. Yeah, why not? We'll just, we'll play on your team. That'll be fun. <laughs> Anybody ever lie to you and say losing was fun? For all of you who play sports, no, it ain't true. <laughs> playing's fun. I'm like, yeah, playing and winning's fun. <laughs> the devil never gets to do that. <laughs> so this is what we do. One of the main things we do is we go over there, and, and um, primary purpose is to train and equip leaders and um, to come in there humbly to empower them and serve them well. And so this trip, we did two leaders, pastors and leaders trainings, and we had about 500 at this one. That particular picture right there is uh, the all. There's about a hundred Gen Z that were at this. If you didn't know, um, 47, 48 percent of the population in Pakistan is 15 years old or younger. Three percent of the population is over 60. They don't live long. If you went there, you'd realize why. There's a lot of determining factors in that. Um, so we're like, man, we better reach Gen Z, right? So we got to empower these leaders. We saw a bunch of folks healed, um, sovereignly healed, and we taught on power evangelism. 
And, um, and so that's the, it, helping them, uh, instructing them to be able to do it the way Jesus created them to do it. Because you and I, just going out to, you know, wherever you guys go, we go to the Greenwood Mall a lot of times and parks and different places to do evangelism. It's not the same there. You can't exactly get away with that. You have to be a little more creative, right? As wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. And, uh, and remembering that he sends us out as sheep among wolves. <laughs> and, and so we, we get to do that. So helping train them in that because it's not something that they've been doing for a long time. And, um, and with this, we prayed over Gen Z at lunchtime. We do this all day. So it's from 9 to 5. We feed them breakfast and lunch, high tea. And um, we want to just bless them. And we make the group smaller. I know 500 doesn't sound like a small group, um, but it's smaller than it would be if we opened it up to a lot of people because we could easily fill the, you know, with the thousands. Um, and these Gen Z, we just had this idea of praying over them, apologizing to them uh, for trying to pull them into our traditions and the way that we do things. And I was, as I was praying this, I'm like, man, I hope I don't get myself in trouble here. And uh, we had the, the elder pastors stand behind them um, as a prophetic symbol that we would never let them go backwards or fall, that we'd push them forward, always be there behind them. And so it was one, and one of the guys described it as the Holy, he felt the Holy Spirit just move from one side of the room to the other and just overtake them. And it was, I'm talking about little kids, I saw little kids, I wish I had the video, uh, like this little one little girl is just, uh, I don't know, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit while that was happening, but she was just going off in tongues. She couldn't have been eight years old. Uh, these kids crying, just crying out to God, and then it just overtook the whole room, and we broke out in spontaneous song, just worshiping the Lord, no instruments, and just got enamored in the Father's love. It was glorious, <laughs> and so that, that's, uh, that's a picture of, of the room from a different angle, and that's uh, Matt General up there. Um, he's teaching. Him and I split the, the teaching load. He's an in, incredible Guys, any of you guys know him? A few of you, if you do, from Inner Healing, I think he's come over here too. So the, the next day we did uh, a, a same pastors and leaders training in Mir Prakas. And a uh, similar group, eh, maybe 300 or so. So Mir Prakas is fixed in the middle of a bunch of villages. Uh, the villages in Pakistan, there's so, so many. Um, they are not governed by any kind of uh, police... Uh, military, po military police run, run Pakistan. It, it's a military uh, state or country, whatever you want to call it. And, um, but once you get outside of certain cities, um, out in the villages like this is surrounded by, it's the Wild West. Like the, anything goes, it's, it's crazy, the violence and things like that. So we, even our uh, Donish uh, Peter, who through Grace Network is, is our, our friend, our connection, our guy on the ground. He's the one that oversees about 115, 120 churches. And um, he got sick on the way there. You could feel like this oppressive, like witchcraft thing that was in the area. And um, it was crazy. And so we, we get there. It's about a four and a half hour drive from Karachi. And um, we get there. And what I didn't know is so... We were going to do a different kind of training, and it totally changed to all identity stuff. And we found out after the conference is that we did this one all day as well. It was from like 9 to 4. And um, 
that there were several pastors that came to that that had made up in their mind before they came it would be the last conference that they ever came to and that they were throwing in the towel. They were done. And they said after the conference that they felt refreshed, rejuvenated, and ready to go back at it. And so I'm like, that was all worth it right there. Man, I, I didn't catch any, vi- they didn't catch any video uh, of this. I don't know how, but I walked off stage after teaching and I, and I um, didn't have a translator with me. And I start praying for this young man and I see, I could see like this oppressive, like demonic thing on him. Um, and so I walk over and just start praying. He doesn't speak English and I don't speak Urdu, I just like two words. And, and so I just start praying for him. And um, I see this thing lift, break off of him, just praying in the spirit. And, and then I see him start to cry. And I'm like, okay, like, that's why you keep your eyes open when you pray, because I'm looking to see what's happening. And, and then he just starts to, end, he gets baptized, sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit, just starts praying in tongues. I'm like, this kid got delivered, encountered the Father, and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we didn't even speak each other's language, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, come on, Jesus. Uh, There were about 15 or 20 people that were sovereignly healed um, of back stuff, deafness, and, um, and, yeah, and stomach issues. It was was a beautiful moment. And so a lot of these pastors are pastoring villages, whole villages. And not only are they the... The, the pastor of the village, they end up being the educator of the village because they don't, they don't read or write in any of those villages either. And, and the people that own that particular land, uh, uh, I don't know the politically correct name to call them. Um, they just run everything. We'll just leave it at that. And uh, not very nice people. And they want to keep them oppressed. And so they don't allow them to get educated read right because then they're going to figure out that there's somewhere else they could be besides this place and so we're going in helping grace network to be able to empower these people uh, and educate them in the practical because the spiritual yes very important practical also very important so they have to be actually educated they're educating the kids and the parents at the same time so everybody's learning to read write, arithmetic all that stuff and so just beautiful people and what they're doing Um, that was another full day Okay, so this is, uh, this is definitely, you you nailed it, this is a street meeting. So this was a street meeting that was supposed to have a couple thousand people at it. It is in, um, they call it Christian Town, and um, they requested that that we come there next time that we came, so uh, when we were there at the end of last year. Uh, doing the crusade at the YMCA grounds. Can you all see the footage of that stuff? Um, where they said there were about 80,000 people that were there and about 70,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Um, so they, they requested us to, this is going to loop, but, and I'll, I'll click to the next one in a second. But um, so they requested we come there because the suicide, uh, forced prostitution, drug addiction, uh, are all like at a crazy all-time high in this particular area. And um, it's being led by uh, particular religions in the area that aren't Christian. They actually want to change the name to Hindu Town because there's so many Hindus that are coming in. And um, sometimes they're also very violent uh, people. 
and so they're like, okay, you guys come. I'm like, let's just do it. And uh, pastors were trying to convince Donish, we can do a crusade somewhere else. We've got better ground. You, you can, you know, and they're like, no, we want to do this on the street. We want to do this in Christian town. I'm like, yeah, that's what we feel Jesus saying. This is where we're going. This is what we're supposed to do. And so about 10,000 people showed up to this. About 10,000 about 10, people. Let me show you drone footage. So this is going to keep zooming out. This is just a cool shot. <laughs> and uh, it just kind of paints a picture of the stage that's there at the top of the screen. <clears throat> and then what down the middle, it's just, as you saw, it's just houses on both sides. And so people are on rooftops, on, on their porches, and about 90% of them are all Muslims and Hindus. And so I preached, uh, my, I preached the gospel through my testimony, through drug addiction and suicide and depression and all those things that I faced and that Jesus set me free from. And we watched, we gauged, there were about 7,900 people that gave their lives to Jesus that yeah. night. Yeah, yes. Jesus showed up. I mean, there, uh, it was one of the most beautiful moments I've ever seen because we've got Muslims and Hindus on their porches surrender, uh, with their hands lifted, publicly surrendering their lives to Jesus. I'm like, yes! And uh, so it was, it was way bigger. And, you know, that's how Jesus is. Like, he, he does above and beyond what you ever, ever ask, think, or imagine. And uh, we just... I mean, even if you only got a little bit of hope and a little bit of faith, he'll take the rest. Don't worry. <laughs> He's like, just a mustard seed. That's all you need. I'll take it. <laughs> there have been times when I felt like I didn't have any faith, and he, it felt like he had it all. <laughs> so it's, uh, so it's, it's, that was beautiful. Um, that was on Sunday night. This is uh, the last picture I'll, I'll show. And um, this was... In so it was right near Balakistan, and it's a orangey town, and um, and if you want a picture of where that is, it's it's right next door. We were like really near the border of Afghanistan, and um, this particular church, we were up on a mountain. <laughs> the drive there, me and Matt were both. Uh, we were both car sick. <laughs> we were both car sick. It was a road that you thought you shouldn't be driving on. I grew up in the country. Like, I know what it is to off-road. This was worse uh, without the appropriate vehicle. And um, this pastor, he's been pastoring here for 20 years. Radicals have consistently, over 20 years, beaten them and, and killed their people for 20 years. And he's still going. <laughs> they did not long ago start to fight back some. So I, I, I'm not really interested in how you feel about that. But um, I, I don't know how he put it up with it 20 years and didn't fight back. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't found out. Nobody's hit me yet since I've been a Christian. So when you turn the other cheek, I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> That's what you hope for. <laughs> But, but, it, <laughs> but these guys, I'm like, man, you're, I mean, you'll, you'll never hear this guy's podcast. You'll never read a book by him. You'll never know his name. But he's the real deal. And uh, we, we got to 
so there's a, a, a young man right there, uh, and um, I'm probably going to butcher his name uh, a little bit. It's uh, Ars- Arslan. He's a worship leader um, from Islamabad, and uh, we had him come in specifically for the, the street meeting that we did. Uh, they asked if we, we should have him in. I requested him. Um, he came and was at the YMCA grounds that we did that big crusade at, um, Healing Festival. Um, I'm trying to get away from the word crusade because it's got a very negative con- connotation in, uh, in the Middle East. Um, but it makes, sen- it makes sense to Americans. Um, so he did one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen a worship leader do in my, in my life, in my Christian life, in the short time I've been doing this. And he went, he, for about maybe five minutes, He's playing and singing. He's amazing. Sue's got, I don't know, a couple million followers or something crazy. And he just stops and says on the mic, the Holy Spirit is not going to move on worship today. He's going to move on the Word. He gets up, walks over to his seat, and sits down. (laughs) And I'm like, man, that was... I know if I would have been leading worship, I'd probably try to press through, like we'll get to this next song, maybe we'll get to this upbeat one, maybe they'll engage, maybe they'll, you know, all the things that we think about, right? <laughs> and he just got up, stopped, and man, when he did, the Holy Spirit came powerfully. I think Matt preached that night. Um, <laughs> I was so sick. I was, I was, me and Matt were both sick. I'm like, better you than me. So he gets up and preaches. I think 15 or 20 people gave their lives to Jesus that night. And a bunch of people got delivered from like suicide and depression there too. So it was just, it was amazing. It made, um, it made yeah, there were about 50 people that were healed from various conditions uh, causing pain, which was the majority of the church. And um, so I, I think that, nope. If I, if I press, okay, we're just going to look at Arslan until I'm done. He'll take it down from back there. <laughs> Thank you guys. Back in the sound booth, been amazing as always. And so this, this trip was, I mean, you look at it combined over the last couple trips that we've taken or over the last five trips that we've taken, all the trips that we've taken. And I mean, you're talking about, I mean, you're up over 100,000 people that we've seen give their life to Jesus. Yeah, it's only because of Jesus. Like, it's, it's Him, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the anointing and the grace of God, because if I got up there without any of, of that, it would just be, it would be bad. <laughs> and um, so it, it's, been, it's been incredible, it's been incredible to watch, it's been incredible to be a part of. It's what's been prophesied over me for lots of years, and, um, and I actually, you know, years ago, you, you and I need to be able to be confident in who we are in Christ. Not arrogant or cocky, but confident. And it looks arrogant and cocky to people who don't know who they are. When you're just assured of who you are in Christ and what you're supposed to be doing. Whatever that looks like. You can look a a thousand or more different ways. And so earlier on, I realized that there was a grace and anointing on my life to do this in front of people. Um, It was the very thing that I was most terrified of, 
If you've ever heard some of my story, public speaking was the most terrifying thing to me. I'd rather you take me outside and whip me than, than uh, have me speak in front of a group of people. That's the way I felt. I just, I, I, it just was the most, is the scariest thing that I, I could think of doing. And um, just struggled with it growing up and um, just awkward, you know, all the time awkward. Um, the way I felt when I was having conversations with people that I didn't know. And if I got in front of a very, very big group, it was just even worse. And so when the Holy Spirit changed all that, uh, I began to realize, some others realized it long before I did, that this was what I would do one day. And that I just started to dream into what that could look like. <clears throat> I'm going somewhere with this, so hold on. And, and this was, to me, er, early on in my, my Christian life, before I even knew who I was, I thought, this is what I'll do in front of groups of two or three or, or ten or a hundred or a thousand or thousands, right? And I thought, this is, if I, if I get there, if I get there, if you look on the stages that I've, I've stood on at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, if I thought, if I get there, that's, the, that's, that's it, I, I'll, I'll have made it. And, and what I want to I wanna enforce or reinforce to you today is that what you see, what you've seen in the last two times that I've shared testimonies and the stages that I've stood on in front of thousands of people is not even close to the pinnacle of the Christian life. That what I get to do for him in whatever capacity the anointing and grace of my life is there for, that is, that is not the pinnacle of, of Christendom. Getting to stand on stage and sing or speak or run a successful business or have crazy influence uh, at a hospital or a school that you, you teach at or you, you nurse at your doctor at or your law firm or whatever it is, that none of that is, is me arriving. Can I tell you that the, the pinnacle of the Christian life is, is knowing Jesus. Amen. It's knowing Him. And the reason I say that is because I lived years of my life dissatisfied even after I, I got to the place that I thought would, would be the very thing that would cause me to be successful. And then later to find out that I thought it might be the very thing that killed me. And until then was going to inflict pain and suffering on me until that day that Jesus decided to take me home. And it was one of the most rude awakenings that I ever had because I was trying to find satisfaction out of something that was good out of something that I was gifted at, something that I had a grace for, something that I knew Jesus was on. Because you can't argue with fruit. When I share my testimony in, in, a, in a prison and, and not even articulate it, what I didn't think was well, and you watch 100 guys stand on their feet and give their lives to Jesus, it's, it's grace and anointing. Yeah. I've watched dudes that were evangelists that couldn't preach their way out of anywhere and just said things, I'm like, that's not even great. And everybody that's not saved will stand up, run to the altar, and give their life to Jesus. Because there's an anointing and a grace on their life for evangelism. Right? It's, it, it, doesn't mean that none of, it doesn't mean that we can't all evangelize. It just means some people are more gifted and, and have more anointing in that area. 
right? Same with, same, with all, same with all the gifts. But I found myself in this place of wondering why was I still frustrated? Why was I still aggravated? Why did I still feel like that there was something that I was missing? And can I tell you, is because I was drinking from a well that was dry. I was trying to find my satisfaction through the things that I was doing. Now, if you can't relate to ministry the way that I do it, you can put this in any form or fashion in your life. Successful career, the spouse that you want, the kids that you, the kids that you have or hope for, right? The education that you get, the business that you're going to run, like whatever it is, whatever, whatever success looks like to you. I can guarantee you one thing, without me primarily making Jesus the satisfaction of my soul and the only one that I truly drink from, all those things will constantly keep me dissatisfied. No matter how good I become at them, no matter how successful, no matter how other people see me, no matter what my definition of success is, when I reach it, if Jesus is not my sole source, then I will find myself, and some of you today find yourself in that place. Why am I still, I'm a believer. I'm following Jesus. Why am I dissatisfied? Why am I frustrated? Why am I so easily aggravated? I'm not saying this is the only reason, but one of the things that I point out to people often is that they're trying to drink from a well that has no water because it's not Jesus. And you can do that when you try to find, when you and I try to find satisfaction having all of our needs met by the people that are around us and the things that we do. Look, I'm all for love languages, and if your spouse doesn't speak your love language, then there ought to be a conversation that takes place and possibly counseling and all that stuff. But if I find myself dependent on you to satisfy me because i got to wait for you to speak my love language every day so that my love tank can be full, I'm going to be an emotional wreck, and life's going to be a roller coaster. And I know life can be a roller coaster, but Jesus didn't intend it to be a roller coaster like that. It's supposed to look like I ascend to the hill of the Lord. It looks like this. Now, mine, I know, has looked a lot like this. And we're coming out of it. It's, it's done both. It's done both. But the only way that I came out of it was to realize things. Look, Jesus says, let me give you some scripture to make this legal. I know I've, I've quoted some partially. Uh, it, Jesus in John chapter 7 verses 37 and 38 stands up at this party and says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The only way that there is an overflow out of my life is if I am full. I don't overflow until I'm full. And so Jesus is essentially saying what he had told the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. He sits down, he asks her, you all remember that story? Go, go back and read it if you, if you don't, it's, it's great. 
And um, it's just the goodness of God shown through Jesus in, in, in that moment. And the woman who uh, history tells us is St. Fotini. I might be butchering that name. One of the greatest evangelists that the Bible ever, has ever seen. And um, that was the woman at the well. You can do your research on that. You'll find that through Jewish historians. And um, he, he sits down and asks her for a drink. He's like, you're asking me for a drink, Jewish guy? And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked me for a drink. And I would have given you living water. And then goes on to tell her, it's the water that will cause you to never thirst again. Isn't that amazing? That's it. He's pointing us to the fact of what Colossians 2.10 says, says this. I've got it here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it if I quote it. So verses 9 and 10, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. This is the NLT. For, the full, <laughs> for all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler in authority. He creates me, so he's the only one that can complete me. So why is it after I come to Jesus in my broken state and find out that he is everything that I need him to be, do I stop drinking? I'm not just talking about believers who have never drank or people who are brand new to the faith or people that don't know Jesus. I'm talking about those of us also that have walked with Jesus for years sometimes and longer and we look after we've realized that Jesus is my soul's satisfaction, is that I begin to look other places for it. You know some of the reasons we do that? Usually disappointments. And pain. Pain, I love my friend Leif Hetland says, pain seeks pleasure. awful quiet in here (laughs) pain seeks pleasure we found out that's true when you find yourself in the state of trying to please yourself trying to satisfy your own soul through the things that are around you and not jesus sometimes i can point to pain in my life and say oh i'm trying to make myself feel good when he's my comforter, when Jesus is my peace, right? When he's the one that holds everything together in my life, that he's my, he's my freedom, right? He himself is, he is my freedom. He's my compass. He's everything that I need him to be. If I don't have a parent or either parent, Jesus can fill the deficit. Yeah. Right? If I don't have people around me that, can, that believe in me, Jesus will be that. Yeah. If I have other people that have walked out on me, Jesus will be there. Yeah. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Yeah. Right? For some of us, remember, just because you can't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Yeah. Sometimes i got to know he's there by faith. I've went through times when I couldn't feel him. I know it's not all about feeling, right? 
but I sure like feeling him more than I don't. Because he's an experiential God. Because I have to have an experiential understanding and a theological understanding of who Jesus is. I can't just have one or the other. Because if I just have word, I end up dry and religious. And if I just have experience, then I can end up fruity and flaky. It's truth. Y'all have seen it. And then you get some people that just blame Jesus for being weird, and they were weird before Jesus. It's okay. Just don't put it on him. <laughs> and so I, I need to be able to, to experience him, but also knowing that I can trust him. It's hard for me to come to Jesus in the way that he invites me and to drink solely from him if, if I don't trust him. And that trust is the foundation of every relationship that we'll ever have that's healthy. When I go into those dark places and kiss my wife goodbye and get on a plane, fly across the world and know that I could not come home, there's a lot of trust that's involved. If I didn't trust him, I couldn't go. I, but trust has come in my relationship with Jesus through coming to him and realizing that he's the one that is going to fill me, satisfy me, take care of my needs, be everything that I need him to be, speak all my love languages, bring me comfort, fill me to overflowing in action. Come on, why would he not be the sole satisfaction of, of the primary satisfaction of my soul when he's the one that picked up all the pieces of my life and put them back together when I was a broken, do we remember when we were broken messes, right? Some of y'all may feel messy still. That's okay. It's okay. Jesus is not afraid of a mess. And can I tell you that he doesn't show up in the middle of your mess? He was already there. <laughs> I saw him in the room not long ago. We were worshiping, and, and um, I, I, he, he clarified that for me. He said, I want you to tell people, I don't show up in their mess. I'm already in the middle of it while they're there. <laughs> Sometimes all it takes is acknowledging him to get out of it. If you're tired... <laughs> If you're, if you're tired of trying to do it on your own, Jesus would love to do it <laughs> with you. <laughs> and I know we're powerful people that can make powerful choices, but I sure have had Jesus do it for me <laughs> plenty of times when I just willingly surrendered and said, look, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this without you. I don't want to try anymore. And oftentimes for me, this is, this is the practical, and then I'll, I'll wrap up. But for me, just full transparency, it's, it may seem too simple for you, but this is what I do, is that I oftentimes acknowledge, Jesus, I absolutely need you. I need you. I have to have you. I can't, I can't do this without you. 
I never want to grow up in maturity and grow out of that place of dependency. Because it's easy to make that mistake. It's easier to make that mistake when everything is going well than when nothing is. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me multiple times, it is like when things are going well and you leave the meeting and there's been whatever, like you've seen me just blow it up and just the goodness of God is on display. He's like, that's when you better keep your foot on the gas. Because the temptation is to put the cruise control on. And you and I weren't made for that. Because oftentimes there's a battle you fight after the battle you win. That's what life calls it. The battle you fight after the battle you win. And in my victory, sometimes I can lose my sense of dependency on the one that allowed the victory to take place in the first place. Because without Jesus, there's no victory in my life. He's the victorious one. And so acknowledging that in the good times has actually been harder for me than to acknowledge it in the times when when it's rough. Because you and I know when we're broken or depressed or rejected or hurt or any of those things, it's way easier to come to Jesus. It seems like a no-brainer. But what do I do when everything's going right? Do I still acknowledge the fact that He is my everything? You know, when I, you know, when I was, uh, Lindsay and I were getting ready to get married in 2010, I thought, man, if I just get married, this, I feel like this is for somebody, this is not just a story, but um, I had a little bit of what Steve Backlund calls destination disease. <sighs> if I just get married, it'll fix all my problems. <laughs> and, and and then it it didn't because <laughs> I, I you know I got, and then I got married and I thought man if she was just like me we'd get along great and then I heard Jimmy Evans say one time if you're both identical one of you is obsolete because <laughs> I would have these amazing times in prayer, just me and Jesus, right? It's like a rock star, seeing visions and hearing Jesus and seeing the nations and getting prophetic revelation and all these things I was going to preach. And, and then I'd come out of prayer and me and Lindsay would argue. And I'm like, what happened, Jesus? Like, I feel amazing. It must be this wife you've given me. <laughs> <laughs> I told you earlier that I've been wrong for 15 years. That was the beginning of being wrong for the last 15. <laughs> it, 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 it was, I, I, was, I was looking, and what, what I did was, is I, I thought if I, if I can get married to this beautiful, amazing, godly, like you will never meet somebody more faithful more loving, more compassionate than my wife. Like, she is steadfast, true, best friend you could ever have. Like, she's that. Like, she really is. But I tried to get her 
to satisfy what only Jesus could in me. And both of us were doing that. And because we were both making that mistake, we were frustrated and aggravated and, and, and waiting for the other to get it together. Like, Jesus, why aren't you answering my prayers? We've seen the movies, like, just get in your closet and pray, and Holy Spirit will enforce it, right? <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> like, that's good truth. Holy Spirit's the enforcer. It's way better than you trying to enforce it and change your spouse. Some, some of us have tried that. We know that that does not work. <laughs> it's not supposed to work. Because if, if Lindsay can transform me or I can transform her, then I've just became her God. <sighs> doesn't mean they can't help. doesn't mean I can't empower, or like I'm supposed to be empowering her, speaking truth into her life, and ultimately loving her with no judgment, no criticism, just loving her well, the way that the Father created her to be loved. But even in that, I can't allow my spouse to become the source of what Jesus is supposed to be. Some of y'all are waiting to get married and thinking that it's all just going to be amazing once you do. And I believe that it will be if you have it in proper order. Because two people that aren't whole coming together doesn't make a whole person. Jesus is the only one. I, that's what I thought. That, that I actually believed that. Somebody told me that. I'm pretty sure. Pretty confident somebody told me that. Is that when you and your spouse come together... You'll become one and you'll become whole. I'm like, I found out later that two people that aren't whole don't make a whole person when they come together. It just doesn't work like that. Is that I have to allow Jesus or get to allow Jesus to actually complete me. That means to fulfill me. L listen, this, this last scripture I'll share with you. Psalm 62, 1 and 2. In the NLT, Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2 in the NLT, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. He alone is my rock and my salvation. You know that word salvation in the Hebrew, is if you look it up, it's actually the word Yeshua. <laughs> it means uh, to be saved, deliverance, victory, prosperity health, salvation, welfare. Like it's all wrapped up in, in one. My soul's satisfaction is in Him. He's my salvation. I focus so much on trying to get something in my life that I thought would make me happy when I already had the one in my life who wanted to make me not just happy. He wanted to make me whole and give me peace and joy so that I would have strength to actually have perseverance and end this thing better than I started. Yes. And, so this is, and, and so this is Paul, the Apostle Paul's heart cry in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, is, is this. You can't read just verse 10 by itself, but I'm going to pull it out of there. It is, Paul is essentially in Philippians chapter 3 talking about his pedigree and all the things that he would have to brag about. Like he had some things to brag about in the natural, right? Yeah. Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews, from the tribe of Benjamin, yeah. 
Like concerning the law, he, he, was, he was flawless. Like he was perfect when it came to the law. There wasn't people that could say that. But he said, all of this that I have obtained, achieved, made happen in my life, I actually count it as, as, as rubbish. You know, the King James, I like, that. I like the King James there because it says I count it as dung. <laughs> I thought, fitting. And he said, all that I, I count as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. All right? And in verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul, at the end of his life, Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul that had spent three years with Jesus face to face, Paul that did some pretty incredible things, if you've read about his life. And at the end of it, he gives you and I a model and expectation to live by all of our lives, and it's that I may know him. That this is what the Christian, all the things that he had did, all the people that he saw healed, all the people that he saw saved and delivered. He says, this is the pinnacle of the Christian life that I may know him. Some of us just need to take everything off the table except for Jesus. I'm going to share this quick story and and then I want to pray for us to, to just know him more, right? There's not a magic prayer that's going to make you do that. It's going to be a conscious choice you make every day after this. Knowing that Jesus wants it more than you want it. Knowing that Jesus will be with you in it. Knowing that he wants you to finish this thing on fire. Not just barely limping out of here. (laughs) You may be limping now, but you ain't going to limp forever if it's up to him. You know, at the... (laughs) At the... End of last year, man, uh, it was, I was ready to wave the white flag. It was just, it had just been one of those times in, in life and ministry, and some of you know a little bit about the journey, and, and um, you know, thankfully I don't, I'm not a victim, otherwise I'd have all kinds of people to blame for it, <laughs> but <laughs> You know, hurt people hurt people, and uh, in my line of work, sometimes you get hurt by hurt people, and that's what that's what happens when when you love with your heart wide open, and that's the way that you and I were made to love. We were made to love with our heart wide open, but when you learn to do that, and Jesus comes, heals your heart, and and you feel compelled by love to love other people like that with heart wide open, and somebody hurts you. The natural reaction is to close my heart off to people and not allow them back in. I'll let you get about this close to me, but you ain't going to get this close. Right? Because now I've went from Jesus protecting my heart to me protecting my heart. Because the misconception is is that Jesus must not have been protecting my heart. That's how I got hurt. Jesus didn't tell any of us that we would never get hurt. He actually promised us trouble and tribulations in this world. But be of good cheer, because he overcame the world. I tell these guys when I go into 
jails and prisons and, and other places, you know, if, if somebody told you that once you became a Christian, everything was just going to be great, that they, they sold you a dream. Like, that's, that's not what the Christian life is about. It's about surrendering to the one that's worth giving my life to, the only one. It's about being born again into the image that he created me to be as a child of his and then surrendering it all. And when everything is going right, that feels real easy. <laughs> but revelation that we receive is not tested until something opposes it. Y'all know me very long. Like, we go into dark places and love people. Like, that's what we do. And I go to places where I think Jesus wants to be. Right? He wants a representation of him there. And he's there with me. I know that. Like, I preach my whole life as we've given our lives to becoming love. I believe it's the highest calling outside of knowing him. And I believe that those two are impossible to be fulfilled. You know, that becoming love is impossible without knowing him. Like, those things go, it's a, it's a direct result. It's the fruit if I know him, if I'm getting to know him more and more, there's going to be fruit in my life from it, right? And, and so, but when something goes wrong, what's my natural reaction? Is, is it to turn away or to turn back to him? And so I felt like today that Jesus wants to do a couple things. Is heal hurt and, and, and allow an opportunity for us to turn back towards him and begin to drink from him alone. So that I don't, I don't find my fulfillment in my spouse or my kids or my job or sports or, right? You get the picture. Listen to what I'm saying. All of those things I just mentioned are all good things that are meant to be enjoyed. But out of proper order, they actually become idols to me that I've lifted up above Jesus. And so where, where have I done, am I doing that in my life? I feel like he wants to just course correct. It's just this beautiful thing that I've seen Jesus do so many times. Is he'll just put my, my hand or my face in his hand and just say, why don't you just look over here? Not there, right here. You know what Isaiah 26.3 says? He says, he who keeps his mind fixed on him, he keeps in perfect peace. Sometimes I don't have peace because my mind's not fixed on him because he's no longer my source. He's just a part of my life. And I made that mistake. And at the end of last year when I got hurt, the temptation was to, to close my heart off. I could feel it when I got around people. I, I let it for a short time steal, steal from me, steal my joy, steal my peace. Steal things that Jesus freely gave me and that I unintentionally freely gave away. <laughs> and this is what it took. In what felt like the darkest season of my life in ministry over the last 10 years, it only took me coming back to him and realizing that pain in my life wasn't his plan. He didn't cause it. And if you say that he allowed it, it means the same thing to me. 
I don't see the difference. Because to say he allowed it, to say he stamped it when it came across his desk and said, here you go. I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to let him do it. No, I can't believe that. But I do know that we live in a broken, messed up world where people have their own choices to make. And as I said earlier, hurt people hurt people. And I had a decision to make. Was I going to separate myself from people and just do ministry because that's what I was supposed to do? Or was I going to make the highest call in my life to know Him and express my dependency on Him and allow Him to love me back into a place of wholeness so that I could love with my heart wide open again? And those of you that have done that more than once and you feel like, man, I don't know if I can do it again, I got good news for you. You don't have to do it in your own strength. Is that He'll give you the grace. Even if you've got to crawl, <laughs> it feels like you've got to crawl to meet Jesus in it, right? Like he's right there. And when I see what happens, when I focus more on the people I get to serve than I do on the one who actually is serving me, even though he's my Lord and my bridegroom king, and my God, and my best friend, and my father, and all those things and more. Right? He's the one that comes and serves me. And I take my eyes off of this isn't the main focus. He is. And I allow, and I turn, I, I just had some course correction because, because ministry became the primary focus. And it wasn't Jesus. And I'll look good. I'll look good on the outside. It's a lot of fruit, right? It's a lot of fruit. Must not be any problems. <laughs> Anybody that's ever gardened or had fruit trees knew that there were problems within those places, right? At times. Just because everything looked good doesn't mean there weren't bugs and animals trying to eat your stuff and Right? And, and it's the foxes that spoil the vine. Jesus just wants to bring, bring course correction today, bring healing into our hearts today, because every one of us has a call of God on our life to do something for Him, right? But I can't do it without Him. And I can't do it unless he's the center of everything. Otherwise, it's going to go real bad real fast. <laughs> I've tried it a few different ways, and I promise that focusing on knowing him and allowing that to be the overflow of my life, and then ministry just becomes an expression of my relationship with him instead of my relationship with him becoming about ministry. So I can get another word, so I can love these people, so that I can get a message, so I can get up and sing, so that I can do this. I need to spend time with Jesus so that I can do this. Yeah. No, that's completely wrong. I need to spend time with Jesus because I need to know him. Yeah. Because I was created in his image to be like him. And if I don't know him, I won't know what to be like. And whoever I spend the most time with will be the one that I represent the most. And so... <laughs> What's it really about for me? Because I've made it about a lot of different things. 
So if you would stand with me. And I feel like today's an opportunity for those of us that need it to get healed in our hearts. And getting healed doesn't mean you won't hurt again. But it will be the prerequisite for wholeness to happen the next time that you could get hurt. Because I'm going to get bitter or get better. Amen. Right? Not a lot of choices. I'm going to allow that hurt. <laughs> I'm going to allow that hurt to push me towards Jesus or I'm going to allow it to make me a monster. What am I going to let it do? Because God can use it all. Like he wins with a two and a three in his hand, right? Like there's, like he, he, he wins no matter what. Well, I allow that to push me towards him. And I felt like the whole theme of today, when I asked Jesus, what do you want to do today? He said, I just want, I just want, you, to, I just want you to push him back towards me. Just for those that need it, just point them back. Let them know that I'm, I'm it. I know we live in a dark, broken, messed up world. You know Isaiah prophesied about it. He said, deep darkness will cover the earth. <laughs> but he didn't leave it like that. <laughs> but you're going to arise and shine. <laughs> I like what my friend Lave says, that we don't, have a, we don't have a darkness problem. We have a lack of light problem. <laughs> and you and I get to be one with the, the one who is the light. So whatever you need today, you need to get healed. Jesus is going to heal your heart. I believe that. You need to get rid of disappointment while I'm praying. It's an opportunity to let go of that disappointment. You feel like trust has been broken between you and Jesus. You have a choice to make to actually go back in and say, I'm going to choose to trust you again. Because I look in your word and see that truth speaks louder than my experience does. And in your word, I know you're faithful. If I don't have anything else, I can always go back to this right here and, and find what I need. Because this is to trump every experience I've ever had if it doesn't line up with the word. It takes... Forgive me for not using a better word, but it takes militant discipline in this Christian life to live on fire for the rest of our days. <laughs> if you didn't think it did, it would be the same misconception to go into your marriage, never put any work into it, and think it's going to be great. <laughs> it would be the hardest work you've ever put in, and it will pay off. It's worth it. Same with Jesus. I'm not working for anything. Don't hear that. I'm not working for anything. He's given free. But I am actively working at my relationship with Him. So Jesus, we thank You for walking through the room today and bringing healing and restoration to hearts and to souls and to minds. I thank You right now for pulling arrows out of people and bringing healing balm to put in every one of those wounds. Your healing love into every place that's been hurt, every place where rejection has hurt, 
Yeah, I even speak. For those of you that have been hurt by rejection, I just speak the full acceptance of the Father over you right now. Yeah, the full acceptance of the Father. If you still have problems with rejection, just meditate on the full acceptance of the Father. Because when you've got His acceptance, it doesn't matter who rejects you. And so thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing everything that the Father has for this family today. Yeah. And I thank you for course correcting. I just saw him put his hand on, on some of your faces like he does mine. He's just shifting your perspective a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing us clarity in what the pinnacle of the Christian life is, and that's knowing you, Jesus. I pray for each and every single one of us, including myself, that that would be the heart cry we have for the rest of our lives. The same one Paul did. That we may know you. That we may know you, intimately know you. That I would focus on a daily basis to know who you are. To become what I behold and to allow you to be the source of everything that I need. I thank you, Father, for destroying lies and bringing truth where it needs to go today. I thank you for helping us to stop drinking from those other wells that will not satisfy us and helping us to come to you and to drink of the living water that only you can provide. Yeah, for some of us, you, if this hit you in the heart right there, that satisfaction part of drinking from Jesus, and you're not drinking from Him, or haven't been, I, I encourage you to just do a, a prophetic act, however you want that to look, of just literally drinking from the water that Jesus is offering, uh, you can just do it in your mind. Just say, and do it by faith. That's what it is. That's what a prophetic act is, is just doing something by faith. And so we just drink of the river that flows from the throne of God right now. <laughs> we drink Jesus. We drink deeply until our souls are satisfied. We drink deeply until we feel the overflow of the river coming out of us. Rivers plural of living water i thank you that you have made us to be overflowing rivers of your goodness and your love i thank you that we are going to be convinced and convicted anytime we try to drink from any other source and i thank you for helping us to under to understand to know, to feel when we're trying to drink from those other sources and turn immediately back to you. Yeah, to allow you to be that for us. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you speak all the love languages. <laughs> I thank you that you are fulfillment, you are completion, you are our wholeness, you are everything we need. And I thank you for this family. I thank you for what this family means to Newcastle. I thank you for the light that shines out of this house, but not only out of this house, but out of every single son 
and daughter of the house. And I thank you that even as this, uh, as this coming school year for the people that are going, uh, the young adults that are going back to school, uh, thank you for revival in the school system. Um, yeah, thank you for revival in the school system. And um, man, I know this is a sensitive. I know this is a sensitive topic right now. Like people want to pull their kids out of public school, and I totally get it. Like I, I, I'm probably be in the same boat if my son was still in it. But I felt like for those of your kids that are established uh, in and rooted and grounded in their identity. I felt like this is just take this to Jesus. There's an opportunity for you guys to pray together, you and your kid or kids, and see what Jesus is saying about it. To not make a knee-jerk reaction, but to see what the Lord wants to do. Because as much as I'm all for us having private school and, and raising our kids in an environment where they're not getting the stuff that they're getting in public school, I also realized that, that light has to go into the darkness. And, and we, we get that, right? Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to have an Isaiah 6 moment of here I am, Lord, send me. I remember David Wagner's son saying this at a young age to him. Going to a Christian school and, and sometimes where services would last hours and people be laid out in the Holy Spirit and it was just beautiful and he came to his dad and he was about 10 years old and he said dad I'm I'm tired of being light around light I want to be light around darkness they prayed through it and made the decision to send him and teachers and kids and all kinds of people were getting saved and healed and delivered <laughs> It was, it was absolutely beautiful. Could that be part of what your kid's called to? I don't know. I can't answer that. Only you can with Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for eradicating lies out of the school system and bringing truth and life and abundant life through love into that place. And we thank you for lighting up this city in a new way. I just felt like I, I feel even being here just to in, encourage you guys as leaders as I can feel the, the new growth and the life from it. Like I can feel the, the life that's here and the new fruit that's coming out of people's lives. Like it's happening. You guys are growing. It's just amazing. It's so encouraging to experience in the atmosphere. But I feel like over the next six months that you're going to see rapid growth in, in this group. I feel like there's expedited process and maturity and that you're going to see fruit like Jesus is going to give you evidence of it happening. And I felt like it's preparing, it's, it's, it's preparing you all for the next wave of people. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw Jesus holding the door open of, of New Covenant and um, I, I could hear him saying, come one, come all. <laughs> <laughs> and there's more, there's more broken, there's more broken ones coming. There's more, there's more prodigals coming. They're coming home. They're coming home. And so, Father, we thank you for a place. We thank you for a safe place for people to get healed and whole. We thank you not only for the team of people, but this whole group. They're willing to lay down their lives. 
And for some of us today, I believe there's a re-surrendering that's got to take place between you and Jesus. I'm not asking you to come to the altar. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or do any of those things. I'm not interested in, in writing down numbers. This is for you. There's been times in my Christian walk when I just had to turn around to Jesus and say, hey, I surrender to you all over again. I, I don't know how I got out of this place surrender, but I know I'm, I'm not in it any longer because I can tell. And so today, Jesus, for all of us that need it, we, we re-surrender our lives to you right now. We re-surrender. We allow you to be Lord, Lord of our lives. We confess you, Jesus, as Lord of our lives. We want you to be that. And we thank you in the midst of being that, that you're going to continue to be father and, and friend, leader and healer and all the things that we need so i bless everything that you're doing in this house pastor pastor herrick and pastor karen i, I just i could just feel this sweet sweet presence of the lord over you guys and um i know it's been in the natural i know it's been over 25 years now 25 years of faithfulness. And, um, and I know that this is usually reserved for, for end of life, and so don't get the wrong impression when I say this. Uh, <laughs> but I could hear the Lord, just the Father, say, say, well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah, and I felt like this fresh grace... I felt like this overflow of fresh grace coming for this, for this, for this season. <laughs> I even felt like there was a little bit of relief there when there's extra grace that's coming, right? Is that, um, yeah. Yeah, even the ones that, even the ones that felt like it was wasted, it wasn't. Yeah. I just felt like I was supposed to reaffirm, y'all, that you've been the exact model of vulnerability and transparency and dependency that the Father has needed you to be to this family, to not just the core group and leadership team, but to the whole family. And if I could, I've said this to other people when y'all went around. And uh, I remember me and Dave Knoll talking about this before, and Jesse Cup and other people. And I'm like, man, if I put a picture of of pastors next to the in the in the dictionary next to that word, it'd be these guys right here. Like just such a great model of it. You can feel it. You experience when around you. You just love us all so well. You love us all so well. And I felt the refreshing of the Father coming on you today. The refreshing of the Father coming on you today. And so, Father, we thank you for these amazing pastors, leaders, friends, amazing spiritual father and mother to so, so, so many. And we just thank you for a refreshing coming to them today, fresh grace, fresh wind in their sails. Yeah, the blessing of the Lord is upon you. Whew, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
All right. It's supposed to be done at 1230. It's 1237. There's kids that are waiting. I know that. And so I bless you guys. Thanks again for just honoring me so well, allowing me to be with you today. Hopefully this blessed you guys. I love you. Thank you.